1: Greetings, it's the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. We get together right here a couple times per week and we discuss issues, ideas, information, and inspiration. That's right, we want you to be very successful. We celebrate the self-made. Great episode for you today. My guest is Dale Lillard. You don't know Dale, man, I just barely know him, but a couple of my good friends worked for his company, and I thought, wow, this is a good story that I've got to bring to the listeners of the Do Business Better podcast. Dale Lillard uh, owns, is the CEO of a company called Lansdale Semiconductor in Phoenix, Arizona. Lansdale was begun in 1954. Even though the man's name is Dale and the company's name is Lansdale, you might think, oh, I know how that came together. No, actually, that's not true. He bought the company. He's going to tell us a story. Dale Lillard, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, give me a little history on you and the company. You're an electrical engineer, and you come into this company as about a 29 year old. Give me the backstory. The uh, company originally was a spinoff
0: from Motorola, and I uh, worked for Motorola for 10 years. And the uh, the connection uh, to the company, of course, is it was in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, The company started in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Hence the name. uh, When um, Ed Pincus bought the Lansdale division of Philco Ford, and it made transistors. In 1980, I left Motorola um, to come to uh, Lansdale to to be their manufacturing manager and to try and turn the company around. It was losing money. In... um, after about six months, they fired my boss and made me president, um, which was a scary thought. Because so you were
1: doing something right, and you were how old at that point? Twenty nine. Twenty nine years old. You come over here from Motorola because your job supposed to you are supposed to turn this around. They got problems, and it's your job to straighten it out. And then six months later, you are straightening it out. So then they say you are the president. We just canned the guy in front of you. Yeah. All right. Then what?
0: Well, the problem was we were. I had one hundred and forty five employees. We were losing a million and a half a year. And uh I was making a transistor that was obsolete. It was a germanium transistor that was used in car radios uh back in the fifties. So I had to come up with a with an idea to go forward and um, I came from a world of of automobiles. My grandfather had a engine rebuilding company. I learned how to build engines when I was 15. And I worked in a parts distributor um, as a salesman through high school and college. And basically, I got the idea that somebody needed to manufacture old integrated circuits kind of like you make old car parts
1: because the idea is they the there's the manufacturers uh, that made the thing aren't really doing it and these things still are out there on the road or in the case of uh, military which is where a lot of your business goes now they're still flying planes around that are 30 years old so that's the idea you came up with that in the 80s that's
0: correct um, I knew that the military had a long life cycle of, of their product the F-15 the Patriot Uh, F-16, Aegis, those systems were going to be around for many years. And the design was done during the Reagan buildup for the most part, which is in the 80s with their technology. So I concentrated on buying the product lines that were being used by them in the 80s. Um, that were discontinued by the original manufacturer as they moved forward progress.
1: You were not the owner of the company at this point. You were the president, young president, and not the owner, right? That's correct. All right. So when did you buy Lansdale?
0: In uh, 1986, there was a tax law change that motivated the uh, owners of the company at that time to sell. and. Because I had been losing so much money over the years, uh, no one wanted to buy my company but me. <laughs> so, so
1: was that intentional? Were you were you making the company look like a turd? I did it on purpose. You, but weren't, it <laughs> you
0: weren't making the company look like a turd just so you could buy it? Well, it just turned out that during the phase of starting up the integrated circuit, the uh, profitability was not at its best. Fortunately for me, I knew that it would, Um, I was able to borrow money during the, the days of the, um, when 15% interest rates. Well, no, it wasn't really. It was the leverage buyout. I borrowed money against real estate, family, real estate, things of that nature and was and, and inventories, um, and, uh, was able to pick up the company real cheap. It turned out that the next year I was able to get a SBA loan and I was able to pay that back in a couple of years with the profits.
1: All right, so that was in the 80s. Fast forward 30 years later, 30 years later, Lansdale still in business. You don't do all of the manufacturing in-house. You sub some of that out. You've got uh, less employees, but you're still selling a lot of stuff. And it's uh, you described it, it's not like an old water pump. Go ahead and give me that example.
0: The, um, the basic concept that I had when— uh, I started was that the um, military that had long-life systems, again, Patriot and F-15s, et cetera, were in a position where they needed support for those parts, those systems, and and the life cycles of those weapon systems was very long, a lot longer than the technology that the integrated circuit manufacturer was willing to continue. Um, example was the B 52 is still being flown by grandsons of the people that flew them to begin with. So right. and they've so, been around a long time. So
1: that's when you said uh, they're still going to need parts because, and as you know, because you actually are a collector and a, a car enthusiast the uh, the the more parts uh, the the older the car the more parts right. you know, the older the plane the more it's going to need some updates
0: that's correct and so th- what i did was establish a, a strategy of pricing to make sure that i was profitable even though the volumes of of the product lines decline as we go so when i first started manufacturing integrated circuits in the In the early 80s, when I bought my first lines, I was selling the parts for like $25. The volumes then were significantly higher than they are today. Now I sell them for $400.
1: Yeah. All right. That's a neat story. It's a good story. You've been the owner for 30 years, and so I always ask, and also you've got a copy of my book, Do Business Better. My big thing is traits, and you must have the success traits at some level in your core. Now, you can accentuate them. You can learn them, but at some level, this needs to be who you are, and I say they are risk tolerance, drive, resilience, and vision. Tell me about you and which one you think is the most important, critical to your success.
0: Well, I I think the The most important uh, trait that I had uh, was tolerance to risk. Uh, When I left Motorola, my ex-wife thought I was out of my mind because I had a great job for my age.
1: Um, and also you're an electrical engineer. A lot of entrepreneurial people probably don't come from an engineering background. Engineers are the kind of people that make sure that you know everything's in order, that this, sure. that this flow chart works. So it's not usually you don't think of entrepreneurial people coming from an engineering or at least an electrical engineering background. At least that's my perception.
0: And that's really the truth. All of those engineers that I worked with. Thought I was out of my mind when I left Motorola to come to work for Lansdale for a company that was losing money, losing money and and making old technology. That's and, the other thing: engineers want to do the latest and, and great.
1: Motorola in the 1980s was the oh was they were the king, yeah they, they, they were, were they were fantastic. And of course they're antiquated; they're even almost non-existent now, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, they are <laughs> non-existent. <laughs> so you so you you did make take some risk, and then you bought the company on a leverage buyout. That's risky. So you think risk tolerance is your most uh, your most dominant trait of the <laughs> Success
0: no no question in terms of being able to build the company um i built a wafer fab from scratch at one point uh which was a huge investment the banks were all over my case um, the next obviously resilience i guess is um is persistence uh once you're involved it's kind of like once you're married you've got to stick with it as best you can and, and in my case i did my best to maintain uh, wake up every morning and even though i was facing some pretty tough challenges just just keep
1: at it so right now things are pretty good you're 68 years old the company is in a really good position uh you've you've got uh, you know systems in place the manufacturing you don't have as many employees to manage do you take the risks now? Are you taking risks now, or do you say, "Man, I've I've made a pretty good life, and I'm I'm kind of in a, a different phase now"? Are you still taking risks?
0: I'm not taking very many risks. The uh, reality is the way the business is running right now. I uh, don't
1: need to. Right, but you did, and that's the old thing. You know, I read once, and you know, I haven't had a real job for 25 years. Uh, and people say, "That yeah, must be nice." And I said, "Well, remember, it wasn't always nice. No. I was, you know, sleeping in the fourth floor of my buddy's uh, a condo. I had a plywood desk next to my bed. I woke up every day and pounded the coconuts together and hoped that a dollar fell out. And calling people to try and make a living and sell something. So, I, I think that's neat. And and now you're comfortable." Is there a problem with being too comfortable? Do you think that that's the uh, I just had a comedian friend of mine on. He said, I will never get comfortable because I know that when you start getting stale, it's, it's death because he came from a comedy background. And so what's your thing? Is there, is there too much comfort? Well, I don't believe that I'm
0: in a position to uh, get in that mode, primarily because the government watches over me so well. Uh, they monitor my uh, company and how well I do the work and uh, make sure that i'm following the rules and there's a lot of rules (laughs) so i don't anticipate that being an issue
1: i said risk tolerance drive resilience vision you certainly responded to and believe that risk tolerance has been very critical to your success and resilience because you do get knocked down is there a fifth trait is there a fifth thing that i'm missing that's been critical to the uh, any accomplishments you've had
0: my belief in uh in god i could say that i think one of the um most important things for me during some of the toughest times, like in the 90s, I was building a wafer fab. Um, I was borrowing as much money as I could possibly borrow from the banks, from my, my uh, family, from my kids, for, you know, their uh, UGMAs. Uh, and at the same time, I was involved in uh, some lawsuits, environmental lawsuits, which I didn't do, but always got invited to the parties. Um, And basically, I I came to the conclusion that uh, I wasn't really in control of this and that God was. And if he wanted me to succeed, all I had to do was get up every morning and and make it work.
1: Besides the faith, what did you learn from going through those? I mean, I can't imagine you're you're leveraged to the hilt. uh, You're worried about your business. And uh, then you're also getting sued or invited into lawsuits over environmental compliance or lack thereof. What did you learn from all that? You learned. You learned to dig deep. Well, the, yeah. I think again, going back to
0: persistence and resilience, <laughs> um, you just got to keep doing it, you know. And uh, I, I, the most important thing was to not be fearful, and uh, because once you become or once I become fearful, then uh, it kind of
1: paralyzes me. So, going down script a little bit creativity everybody thinks okay you write books damien you're like a former comedian you're probably really creative well yeah certain certain amount yeah but i think other people that have put together uh, a pretty good track record in their own business have a level of creativity you're an electrical engineer you don't think of creativity but are you creative
0: Uh, am i creative i like to solve problems okay so in my mind the problem was i was losing money uh, so I came up with a solution. Do you
1: now or have you ever had a formal business plan? Oh, many times. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm not a formal business plan kind of a person. Does it work? What does it do for you?
0: Absolutely. Um, the The formal business plan really is a vision of where you want to take the company. And it's a way of communicating to your staff and your people Um, where that company is going to go. And if you you don't formalize it and and get their involvement, then they don't buy in. And uh, one of the reasons that all my employees are 30-year employees is they've understand or understood from the very beginning what my vision was and uh, how we were going to get there and was able to demonstrate to them the confidence that we would make it.
1: Okay, I like that, because I generally say business plans, you need a formal business plan to borrow money, but you don't need a formal business plan to make money. And of course, I'm, I'm going with the more seat of your pants entrepreneurial person, but I set goals. You said something really important, though. You said the reason you do it is to communicate to your employees and to yourself where we are going, and that points to vision. I think that really what we're talking about the same thing, vision. So you had a vision back then. What's the vision now? Well, my biggest uh,
0: concern is to be able to continue to support the military, you know, with parts that are important to our defense system. And ultimately, um, I'm not going to live forever, but I feel like I'm in good enough shape to keep going for quite a while
1: you look like you're doing fine to me uh right, where have you steered your ship wrong uh i mean we can talk about the this the, the troubles you had and you got through all that but where did you make a boo-boo uh, everybody that's successful will and i always say failure is just like paying tuition and uh, either crushes you and you drop out of college or you say by god that was just one more class i paid for and that's how i have to look at it so failure <laughs> is tuition how do you look at failure and one of you had one and what'd you learn from it
0: Well, my my biggest failure was I had uh, when I built the wafer fab that I was talking about. It was a $5 million investment. I made it primarily because Motorola at the time demanded that I manufacture 2,000 wafers a week for them. Um, My failure was not getting a contract up front. before I did
1: that. So you built and invested a ton of capital and took a ton of risk on for a a request from your biggest client, customer, and then they pulled the rug out from you and then said, okay, we're not buying these now? They they never gave
0: me a formal contract. And ultimately, um, they needed me because I was the only manufacturer that could do the product. But they would not give me a long-term contract, so I couldn't really depend on it for the banks. Um, Ultimately, ultimately, um, the only way I could get a long-term contract was I threatened to shut the company down, shut the fab down. And by doing that, I was able to get a long-term contract for the people that bought the fab from me. So it was a it was a uh, a negotiation that ultimately I never was able to get.
1: Yeah, but I like the the method there. You know, they had you over a barrel. You you needed to keep things running because they had you over a barrel. You had expended. You already had the capital uh, expenditure out right. there. You've got the facility, and then. You flipped the switch or you know, flipped the script so to speak and had them over barrel and said, Well I'll tell you what, I'll just I'll just shut this thing down. Right. And then where are you gonna get your parts? And and, and then they'll be a scrambling for a while.
0: For me they they had a hundred I think hundred and fifty million dollars in sales that if I didn't do the wafers, they didn't do.
1: So that's a, that's a uh, steered your ship wrong, made a mistake, and you recovered from it. When was that? You know, how far I into the sold, progression? I
0: sold the factory in 2000, built it in 93.
1: So somewhere in the 90s is when this yeah, whole thing happened. And, yeah,
0: and um, it was a tough time.
1: What things have you gotten right? So we just talked about your failure. What thing do you look back and say, that was the one that really, really helped me? That was where things really started to click.
0: The um, the biggest product line that I bought was from Phillips in uh, 1993. And they had shut down, they were shutting down their military product line in Orem, Utah. And I was able to talk them into selling that line to me for a, a sum of money down plus a royalty of 25% of sales as time progressed. So, my negotiation with them was different than everyone else there were a lot of people trying to buy the line uh, and they kept saying i'll give you you know 3 million i'll give you 4 million so what i did was i said look i'll give you a huge amount of money but i pay it over time and so i my number exceeded anybody else's um, there was no guarantee but they knew that the product was important to the military, and that I'd probably get it, so I was able to buy that
1: so you actually you did give them more money, you bought it on contracts and over time right and so that that worked out and I you.
0: also bought ten thousand square foot of their wafer fab and moved it from Morham, Utah to Phoenix.
1: when you look at other businesses as a sixty eight year old guy that came into this in his late twenties then bought in 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 his thirties you've 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 been through the you've been through the ringer and you've also had done very well. What do other businesses get wrong? Whether it's the the landscape contractor that has uh, six trucks and twelve employees, or the person that owns the the RBS in your in your neighborhood, what do they get wrong?
0: I think the biggest. Um, I do some mentoring of smaller companies over the years, and I think the biggest issue is is lack of cash flow forecasting, and and that you know on a personal basis. We, uh, you know, we buy food, we buy gas for our truck, we buy uh, uh, clothes based on how much money's in the bank account. But a, a business somehow or another forgets that uh, concept and ends up thinking that they can borrow money that they they don't necessarily have to pay back right away. Get into a cash flow forecast problem and can't pay the bills
1: because a business is only a business if it's. Profitable.
0: That's correct. So uh, to me, cash flow forecasting, I forecast even today um, as well as I'm doing on a weekly basis uh, for 12 weeks uh, and on a yearly basis for, for uh, 12 months
1: going to close up here i'm talking to dale lillard he's the owner and ceo of lansdale semiconductor in phoenix arizona uh it's been a, a fantastic discussion because he's the entrepreneurial electrical engineer quit his job with motorola which if you can only imagine dear listener in the 1980s that would have been like quitting uh, you know google today really it was like that's about what people thought of these these high-tech companies back then one piece of advice, knowledge, idea, lesson you want to leave that anybody in any level of business can glean something from. 68 years, you've been here, you've done it. Give me one last nugget.
0: Again, I guess my the reason I succeeded through all the tough times was cash flow forecasting.
1: So understand the money make money your friend, which is a chapter in the book, Do Business Better, by the way. The chapter's called No Money, as with a K-N-O-W, or You Will Have No Money. I'm Damian Mason. Dale, thanks for being my guest. Thank you. And until next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast.